Welcome to Wine for Normal People, the podcast for people who like wine, but not the snobbery that goes with it. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schneider, author of the Wine for Normal People book and certified wine dork. And I'm MC Ice, just a wine-loving normal person. This podcast is sponsored by Wine Access. If you want fantastic wines that will pair perfectly with vegetarian food, go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP and check out a page of the wines that I am loving right now. Get 10% off your first order with my special URL. And don't forget to join the wine club where I select all the wines. Wineaccess.com slash normal. Now let's get to the show. Food and wine pairing is complex, but many of us are trying to eat healthier, more plant-based diets, and then it becomes an exercise in frustration because traditional outlets barely ever talk about how to pair red wine in particular with vegetarian dishes beyond eggplant and mushrooms. That's pretty much the go-to. I'm guilty of this too, honestly. So when Wendy Narby, a wine educator and writer in Bordeaux, and Sally Evans, a winemaker and owner of Chateau Georges Set in Fronsac, also in Bordeaux, contacted me about their new initiative to create a site that would pair the wines of Bordeaux and wines like them with vegetarian-based dishes, I was all in. This show, and then their site, Wine and Two Veg, which everybody needs to go to, wineandtwoveg.com, W-I-N-E, the word and, the number two, and V-E-G, veg.com, wineandtwoveg.com, is going to open new doors for all of us in terms of how we can be healthier with our food and still enjoy the bolder wines that we love. Welcome, Wendy and Sally, and thank you for doing this. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So we're going to start out with how each of you got into the wine world. So I would like to hear about your day job. Since this project is a passion project for you both, I can't believe you're pouring so much into this. It's amazing. So let's start out with Wendy. Can you tell us about your journey from growing up in the UK and then spending 30 years living and working in France and in Bordeaux now as a wine educator, a writer, and a tour guide? Yeah, thank you. Yes. Well, I was in Paris. I came to Paris first to study. So I did a, a master's degree in food and wine marketing. Paris seemed like a pretty good place to do that. And I lived in Paris for eight years. And then I met a winemaker. And what can I say? I moved to Bordeaux. Huh? So uh, that, was, <laughs> that was what got me down to Bordeaux. And interestingly enough, given the subject we're talking about now, I actually worked in the meat business in, in Paris. So talk wow. about it. Oh, no. Yeah, I launched myself. He was already in the wine business. He was making Sotan. So I launched myself into into the wine business. I started writing and then I went from that teaching and then the wine tours. And I've been at it ever since. So, wow. Sally, how about you? Well, I had a normal life before I discovered wine. Um, <laughs> I have, I've lived in France for 30 years. I had a corporate job living in Paris, uh, traveling a lot to the States, actually, and all around the world. And then I gave that up to spend some time with my younger son before he left home because I'd spent a lot of time traveling when he was young and was looking for a project. So I was early 50s and I thought, uh, you know, I've always meant to study wine, started some wine courses and then thought that would be a great project. Let's make wine. So I moved to Bordeaux five years ago and launched a new winery, Chateau Georgesette, with an, past the vines of old vines and created a new wine chateau, and here we are. How did you, just a little more specifically, you took wine courses, like enology courses, or you took general wine courses? You took winemaking courses? I started with WSET, the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. I started with the levels one and two, and then the level three, and then I actually did the diploma after I had acquired the land. So the diploma is about two year course, and I did that after I had actually bought the property. And then, during that, those first couple of years before I actually started making wine myself, I then worked with local farmers here in Fronzac on the right bank to learn on the job, as it were, helping them out in the winery. Why did you pick Fronzac as the place for your chateau? I prefer the right bank. Um, I love right bank wines. I love the right bank countryside. I think it's a lot more interesting and a fun place to be. I wanted to be quite near to Bordeaux. So Fronzac is only about 40 minutes from Bordeaux. I couldn't afford Saint-Emilion-Pomerol, so I, I came to the next level of appellation. So Fronzac is grouped with Saint-Emilion and Pomerol, and we have an amazing terroir here, and we have a very pretty countryside. It's very undulating, and therefore it was the right combination of amazing terroir 
good price and uh, potential to make really exceptional wines and some really good wines already being made here. Yeah, uh, Medoc is probably the most boring landscape that you could possibly look at <laughs> I agree. in terms of it's good wine, but the beauty comes in the buildings, not necessarily in the terroir, let's That's say. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So tell us the story of wine and two veg. How did you come to the idea of making a resource for pairing vegetarian food with Bordeaux wines? And I am mainly a vegetarian. I eat a little bit of fish. It is impossible to find good pairings. So this is right in my wheelhouse of things that are frustrating. Everyone just ignores it. It's not that there's contempt necessarily for vegetarians anymore. There used to be. But now it's more just like, well, we're just not going to include that, especially when it comes to bigger wines or wines that are a little bolder or red wines. So what is it that made you do this? Is it Wendy has a focus on health and wine or what prompted this project? Well, it was Sally's idea. I'm blaming Sally. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was my fault. My son came to stay with me during the lockdown in 2020. He was an avid meat eater, or I thought he was, and he turned up and said, Mum, I've become vegetarian. So I said, well, I'm not going to cook two different meals. And he said, no, I'll do all the cooking while I'm here. I said, yes, he cooked vegetarian for the 10 weeks he was here and I never went back to meat. I had never eaten a lot of meat. And I think that's actually an important trend is that there are more and more vegetarians and vegans, but there are an awful lot more people who are now having more plant-based meals more often during the week. And I think that's really important. We're not just looking at recipes if you're purely vegetarian, but more people want to eat more vegetables. And so we've got lots of ideas for how they can do that with their favorite wines. And Wendy, you have a really interesting health background. You're very much into the wine world, but you also have an entire other life of wellness. And you wrote a book on how people can be fit. And can you talk about that a little bit? And and I'm sure that that plays into yeah, this I, idea. I also, think that's right? why Sally dragged me into, into this project, really. I've written this book uh, exactly back in 2018 called The Drinking Woman's Diet. And it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but it's really about helping people who want to enjoy wine to enjoy it in a healthy way as possible. So, and interestingly enough, the food and wine thing is one of the major messages of the book. So it all kind of came together nicely. I'm also a yoga teacher and I'm into all, all that kind of stuff too, but it really is this main message. So when Sally talked about this, it sounded perfect. I was really, really excited, really happy to get involved. It's much more fun doing something together than it is trying to launch a project all by yourself. So we both work, you know, by ourselves. It has been a lot of fun. So that's been a big part of it. Wendy, you had mentioned to me, people in Bordeaux don't actually eat lamb and beef and foie gras every day however when you go there that's all they present to us they present these heavy dishes occasionally if you're there in the spring there'll be some asparagus they'll just throw some on the plate for you but it seems like at least from the american and probably british perspective or visitor perspective that all that is available to eat to order to have and not just in Bordeaux, but pretty much in all of France, it's really challenging. Like when we talked before, I was, we were joking. The only thing for a vegetarian to eat in Paris is omelets. Like how many omelets can you eat? <laughs> That's what's presented. So is that what French people eat in reality? No, it's not. And I think when you do visit, if you look at the markets, if you go around the markets and there are loads of markets, all you see are vegetables. You see all these seasonal, all these fresh vegetables. And yet when you do go to restaurants, you tend to see meat potatoes, right? So I think part of it is this desire by the French people to show, especially when they're in restaurants, to show sort of what they consider prestige food. Whereas vegetables okay. are sort of more family cooking. So if you dine with a French family, in the winter, you'll always start with soup. And in the summer, you always start with a plate of crudités or vegetable. So it's very much part of family cooking. So I think traditionally, that's probably got something to do with it. I do think it's changing. And we were chatting with, with Sally the other day. I mean, when you do go to a French restaurant, you can get salads. There'll always be a goat's cheese salad. Uh, or there'll always be, okay, there's a Londe salad that's always got foie gras on it. But, but. So you, <laughs> you can get um, you can you can get vegetables. There are vegetables. I think it is changing. 
But it's true when people come on wine tours, they're gasping for a salad at the end of it. So I know when I am organizing weeks for people, we always make sure we've got lots of veg. But what you said about the asparagus is really interesting because the other thing that's very typically French, I think especially in the countryside, is this seasonality. And it comes back again to looking at the market. So yes, you come in May, you will have asparagus everywhere. Every restaurant. Oh, I yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they do. So yeah, it's seasonal, but I think it's family. But I think that is changing now as there's more awareness that people want to eat lighter, fresher, healthier. And interestingly, when you go to less glamorous restaurants, you're more likely to have a buffet of, of crudités and, and salads and stuff than when you go to the glamorous restaurants where they're trying to show you the foie gras and the duck and the you know, and you do have the fish as well. We're really close to the coast in Bordeaux. We have fabulous fish and great oysters. Yes. Well, that kind of stuff. It's interesting that you say this, though, Wendy, because the first wine tour that I had with my patrons in Piedmont, it was so meat heavy. Now, Piedmont is different from the rest of Italy, but it was so meat heavy that people were complaining by the end. They just said it's too much food and there's too many courses of meat. And so we have changed, especially when we went to Tuscany, it was almost all vegetarian. It was peasant right. food. It was, you know, cucina povera, as they call it in Italy, because that's what people really want. And in Italy, it's much more accessible. Let's face it. They're much more of a vegetarian culture. They've really leaned into the idea of, yeah, you can get meat, but we have a lot of vegetables. But for some reason, you never see that in France. Yep. So it's interesting to know. And it is true. You could walk around and see a market and see all these vegetables. And then I have to say that in my head before I've looked at that and been like, where do all those right. go? Because they're not... They're not going on the plates. No, they're, well, they're going to family homes. It's the family cooking. And yeah. I think, you know, this is where you've got this mismatch. But I do think it's changing. The first time I visited France uh, when I was 14 on a school exchange, I was presented with a whole artichoke in front of me and I had no clue what to do with it. And I was in France in a family and we started the meal with the whole artichoke. And as a young English girl, I had no clue what to do with it. Was it steamed? Um, it was steamed. And then okay, you, as long um, as it wasn't um, raw. No, no, no. It was steamed. And then you take off each petal and you dip it in the sauce and then you t you take off yes. the root. But I had no clue yes. how to do it. But that was in a, just a normal French family home. All right, Sally, after your son revolutionized your cooking, you really ran with this and you do workshops on the components of food and wine pairing or food and wine matching at Chateau Georges Set. So I looked at all of the things that you talk about and it's so similar in my book. I have a whole chapter on food and wine pairing. And one of the things that I really encourage people to do is to take a systematic look at the food and the wine so that we make sure that any dish can be paired by anybody instead of just being as what I call the magic eight ball pairing, like shake it up and, oh, okay, well, it says this is what, you know, do you, did you guys have those magic eight balls when you were little, the, the, little black balls that have the they're like little fortune teller things they're it's the silly american thing and and so you shake it up and then it says oh it seems yes it seems like that's going to happen you know one of these stupid things so i feel like that's magic eight ball pairing right is where there's these books of pairings and pairing this goes great together this goes great together and it's so prescriptive but it is really important to teach people the components the other thing that you you both say is that food impacts wine taste more than the other way around. So can you just talk about the interaction of wine and food and the main components in vegetarian food and how it might interact with some of the components in wine? Sure. I think that first of all, you need to kind of understand a little bit about your own palate and your own sensitivities, because uh, I think if people think about coffee, everyone likes their coffee differently. There are people that cannot stand an espresso. It's far too bitter, it's far too strong. They love a long milky coffee, whereas others want a double espresso and anything with milk, ugh, I don't get the hit. So from that, you get a, a clue that we're gonna taste tannins, we're gonna taste acidity, we can taste all of that very differently from one person to the next. So understanding a little bit about how you perceive acidity and bitterness in other parts of food or drink is a useful hint as well as you start to get into your wine pairing journey. I think that the food impacts the wine often 
more than the other way around in the sense that we've probably got a mouth full of food and we take a sip of wine, but also you've got a heavy food and then the sort of delicate wine just kind of gets lost in it. For example, you know that when you've got a white wine uh, and you've probably done this uh, in your classes uh, in the typical trick is to show people they, they taste a wine that tastes lovely and acidic and then they suck on a piece of lemon and then they taste the same wine again and it's just flabby. So if you've got something very acidic, suddenly you're impacting the wine. So I think that the food, interestingly enough, can impact the wine more than the other way around. And we see that also with red wine when we, on desserts, for example, suddenly that red wine that was fabulous with meat, the meat course or the mushroom risotto suddenly tastes awful with the apple crumble. I think that's very funny what you just said about the acidity because I do that to show people that you can take the edge off of an overly acidic wine. So something that is okay. like a Chablis, it is can be very acidic for people. I encourage people to pair that with the lemon or you know Sancerre, something that is so high in acidity. But it is true that with a Bordeaux Blanc, if you pair that with a lemon, that's going to taste flabby because it's already a slight bit lower in acidity. So it does depend on the acidity level, but a very highly acidic wine is going to do very well with acidity. So I always say you can pair acidic food with acidic wine, but you're saying the opposite. So again, it's just preference. Yeah. And, and I think, but that's a really good point because once you understand the concept behind it by testing it yourself, then when you've got some acidic wine, that somebody's brought and they're insisting like you think, well, okay, I'm going to put a little bit more vinaigrette or maybe I'm going to mix some lemon on the fish before right. I put it with the, with the other ingredients or the other way around. So understanding right. that principle really helps you then adjust and seasoning obviously is a really important, such as salt. Salt reduces the impact of acidity. Um, you know, and it will, you know, lots of salty food will make a low acidic wine flat. Like if you're eating feta cheese, which is really salty. You need to have that acidity to balance out with it. So understanding some of these principles are really important, whether you're meat-based or plant-based. And so that's where what we're trying to do with wine and two veg is help people on their own journey. We don't want to say, right, this is what you've got to drink. This is what you should eat. We want them to kind of understand and learn and experiment and share those findings back. I, I think it would be helpful if we gave some examples of how that, works. And and again, it's funny, the salt thing, right? So salt is one of the components that I pair with in my wine and food pairing class, and it impacts everybody differently. So if you pair a muscadet with a salty, briny, then sometimes it winds up magnifying it and makes it extra salty, right? So oysters will become saltier. And some people absolutely hate that. But it depends on your individual palate. And with tannin also, some people hate it because it can taste more salty. It can amplify the salt. And some people find that it mitigates it. So again, I think that's in a highly personal thing also. Salt is the one that I always say, acidity generally speaking you're right it's going to calm down the acidity salt it affects everybody differently it is so interesting every time i do that exercise of people just saying oh my gosh i i hate that or oh i love that i love chablis and oysters because it tastes extra briny or i love i don't love it because it tastes flat it's very personal so can we get a little specific on some foods in the vegetarian diet. I mean, if we think about vegetables, you have things like broccoli and dark leafy greens, you have peppers, you have tomatoes, and then you have lentils and legumes and cheeses. I mean, what are some guidelines for pairing with vegetarian food like that? Because those are some staples. And I notice I'm specifically not mentioning eggplant and mushrooms <laughs> because we, we've overdone that. So what would be the rules for pairing with things that are common vegetables? Well, for example, I think one, let's tackle one of the, one of the difficult ones, such as bitter food. Um, yeah. Because I think some of the others, like you said, eggplant, mushrooms, they are easier. So what about bitter food? You know, you've got chicory or you've got rocket uh, arugula. Um, and, and I think it's actually, instead of shying away and thinking no bitterness, I think it's actually having something with some tannin to stand up to it is really good because I think if you've got a plumper wine, such as a Merlot, uh, you know, a soft, smooth Merlot, then it can make it seem kind of too sweet and lose mm. character. And therefore bitter is matched well with bitter. And I think that is a tough one is chicory or rocket. So I think that's probably quite a good example because people are like, what am I going to put with that? Coming back on the salt, 
I think the great thing about salt level is because it is accepted that you put salt on also when you're at the table, I think that's great because you can adjust. And the person who's made this can say, right, I put this level of salt in. And then some people cook without salt at all these days. But I think it's actually quite good to say, look, I've made this. I think the dish or whatever it is will go really well with this red wine. But just let me know. I want to let you know that heavy salt does not go well with heavy oak. Therefore, I've right. chosen an oaked wine. So you may just want to taste it with the wine before you add extra salt. So those are the sorts of things which are good gu- guidelines. And Wendy, have you got any suggestions? Do you want to dive in? I don't want to keep talking. Well, well, yeah. it's kind of your area of speciality. I think what is interesting is this notion of weight of the food as well. So when you've got heavier dishes, so if you're thinking pulses, if you're thinking lentils, if you're thinking root vegetables, those are things that go really well with a heavier, weightier wine. And then you've got that that fruity notion. So, you know, in Bordeaux, we always say left bank, right bank. I know it's an oversimplification, but you do have the more tannic Cabernet wines, the Piri, and then the, the brighter, more fruit-driven Rambo Merlot wines. And I think you've got the two things. You've got the weight of the tannins, but you've also got that fruity expression. And another thing I think is really interesting is we talk about acidity with white wines, but, you know, it, it, in most vintages and most areas, although the climate change conversation is a whole different conversation, but Bordeaux <laughs> is known for having a freshness and an elegance to the wines. And so you've got acidity in the red wines too, and you do have the lighter wines. I was listening to your podcast about the Coke wines. Great example. You've got these Merlot, fresh, fruit-driven wines that go really well with lighter food. So it doesn't just because it's a fresh food doesn't mean it has to be white wines. You've got these fresher red wines that go really well. So think about lentils. You can have slow-cooked sort of lentil stew with onions and spices and perhaps even tomatoes that will go really well with a heavier wine. But if you serve them as a salad mixed in with some fresh ingredients, they'd go really well with a lighter red wine. So you've got this notion of weight, which is also really, really important when you're looking at at matching. So there's a lot going on. I just want to ask you another question, a little more specific, because you're getting specific here, which I think people really want. I love a red pepper, sauteed red pepper or broccoli or things like that. And the complicated thing about something like broccoli or peppers is that they have both a green note to them, but they also have a little bit of sweetness. Then what do you do with the wine? Like, does everything just go back to Merlot? I mean, is, is like, you know, Merlot the answer? And Sally's wine is a hundred percent Merlot. So she's all over that. (laughs) I mean, do you go white? You know, what do you, what do you do? Like, how would you approach that? Okay. So let's think about broccoli. You can steam broccoli or you can grill broccoli. And, you can serve it with something. So with broccoli, you can throw on some grilled nuts. You can throw on some cheese on top of it. So I think a lot of what we do with vegetable-based dishes, it really depends how it's prepared and what you're serving with it. The sauces, the spices, the herbs makes a huge difference. If, If you're roasting your red peppers, for example, and you can put Oregon or rosemary on top, things like that, you're gonna open up those lovely flavors, which go really well with a Cabernet wine. Whereas if you haven't got the herb, then you've got that sweetness in a, in a grilled red pepper, which will go better with a Merlot. So I, it's not just the first ingredient. It's the same with meat, really, in a way, or fish. You know, depending on what sauce you're serving with it, it also affects, it really affects the, the sensation on the palate and how it matches with the wine. And I honestly think that with vegetables, it's much more exciting. There's a lot more that you can do. And it takes a little bit of imagination, but if in doubt, throw some grilled nuts on. Got a little bit of oak in your wine, but you know, you do, you have those grilled notes and those slightly mocha notes. Grilled nuts help everything. <laughs> I think that's very, very helpful. So my three-step pairing process is weight first, right? Weight, heavy with heavy, light with light. Think about the structure of food and wine. So how does, what the acidity, the tan and the sugar, all of that. And then the third thing is the nuance. And the nuance is where, okay, you already know that you're going to do red. But the problem, I think, with vegetarian pairing is actually that first step. Um. It's actually figuring out what the weight of the dish is because... Everyone, well, I mean, again, we've already discussed this. Everybody ignores vegetarian pairing, but everyone assumes that vegetable dishes except eggplant and mushroom are light and lentils, right? Everyone assumes that. But I think that the idea with vegetarian dishes is 
maybe ignore the weight and go to the flavor. Maybe it has to be reversed. Maybe you think about the flavor first and then you think about the structure of the wine based on the flavor because weight in vegetarian parlance is a little different, isn't it? I agree. I've actually got a really good example where where you look at the flavors. So for example, if you're thinking, and this is just because we're thinking about our spring recipes already, even though we're we're eating all our winter recipes, but the spring (laughs) ones are coming up. Just think about lovely, fresh green peas, green beans, those lovely new, fresh, light and bright vegetables coming through that you might want to put on top of a risotto. You're probably going to include maybe some lemon zest in that. So think about wines that have kind of grassy and herby and they've got this cool citrusy feel that kind of seasonality kind of go together so that's where you're going to be going for a lemony sauvignon blanc to go with those so um that sort of illustrates your point and when you actually think about it it does make sense it kind of brings the season together the wine and and the vegetables you can think about rosé also as being kind of an mvp for a lot of a lot of dishes can take rosé people say that pinot noir is the chef's wine I think that in vegetarian cooking, that is less true. I think rosé is actually the MVP for vegetarian cooking and Merlot, honestly, because the acidity is medium. You know, everything about Merlot is more medium. I think that there's a lot of possibilities for vegetarian food. And maybe the idea is think about the flavors first and then back into what the weight is based on the whole widths and ins. That's what I call it, the sauces and the sides. Also, side dishes are quite important in the world of food and wine pairing, but especially with vegetarian food. I love the show. I love Wendy and Sally. And this idea is so long in coming. I love that they are thinking about normal food and wine pairings and wines that we all want to drink as people who maybe are thinking more plant-based but are having a hard time thinking of pairings. So you've got to get on their site, wine and the number two veg.com. But I also need to tell you that if you want the wines to go with these, the best choice that you have is wine access. You're going to go to wineaccess.com slash normal and join the wine access wine for normal people wine club where you get six bottles for 150 bucks free shipping all you have to pay is a tax on that these wines are hand selected by me i do the notes and i will start to include some vegetarian pairings after this show just to help us all with some other ideas besides just eggplant and mushrooms wine access has fantastic wines at fantastic prices it is a standing collection of your favorites plus new wines all the time if you go to wineaccess.com wfmp and get that 10 percent off your first order you're going to click into the site and you will see so many different wines they have a very robust selection of bordeaux at all prices so if this podcast is inspiring you to try more bordeaux they have that they have wines from california new zealand australia south africa all over the world the selection is constantly changing you'll never get bored sign up for their email and check out my wine club and my page today let them know that you support them because they help keep this podcast going wineaccess.com slash normal if you want some spectacular wine shipped right to your door do it today i guarantee you are going to love these wines also don't forget patreon.com slash wine for normal people is how you'll join the community where we are doing more community-based live events this year and there are lots of other things that are coming down the pike that are going to make it definitely worthwhile for you to join for as little as a bottle of wine a year $21.60 US a year you can join and become part of the community and help keep the podcast going patreon.com slash wine for normal people and new classes are up Syrah we could talk about vegetarian pairings for Syrah one of my all-time favorite grapes in the Syrah class wines of France is coming up and we've got another one that will be launched soon I'm not going to give it away but wineforNormalPeople.com slash classes is how you'll find that. Now let's hear some more from Wendy and Sally about great ideas for plant-based eating and wine. You just talked about the spring risotto and things like that. What are some awesome pairings that people can try with various types of Bordeaux? What are the things that you love 
that we absolutely need to try. And then, Wendy, you've already given us some ideas about the banks, the right and left bank, and you are a Sautern fan, so maybe we can think about that also. But I would love to give people some direction. For instance, I'm not saying specific foods, because again, I just said the magic eight ball pairing or the fortune telling pairing is not working. That does not work. But Wendy, you travel all over Bordeaux doing tours and taking people around. And I think that the idea of these different wine styles, which is very important. I hate the idea that there's Bordeaux because there's many Bordeaux. So what could people think about when they're having things like paprika or they're having chili dishes or they're, you know, categories of food, spicy or maybe something bland and simple. What are we thinking about when we're thinking about the various types of Bordeaux? And I think that listeners, when you're listening to this, just know that you can extrapolate because one of the things that when we're talking about left bank, we're talking about wines that are relatively tannic, not always, but relatively tannic, pretty complex. They're not always fruit first. There's sometimes other flavors before you get fruit. On the right bank, you're more likely to get fruit and you're more likely to get softness, but you also can get some complex flavors. But right bank generally, speaking is as we said before not heavy wine so just try to extrapolate as Wendy and Sally are describing these things to wines that are similar to this also well I think that's a really interesting point because Bordeaux people think of Bordeaux being cabinated in reds right sadly but Bordeaux is so diverse there is so much it's so cool that you mentioned rosé because rosé has become a thing in Bordeaux, I'm sure when you were over here, you saw that. So there's more and more rosé. Everyone oh, has Everybody one. has everything. Everyone and we have this clave that people don't know about. So this this wine that's halfway between a rosé and, and a red, which is fabulous. And that's really food friendly. It kind of goes with everything, you know, from pizza to salads sort of thing. So it's a, it's a really useful wine. So we've got this great diversity. We talked about Sauvignon-driven wines, but of course, we have a lot of Semillon uh, and not just for the sweet wines. And Semillon adds a weight to white wine. It's often barrel aged, so it's super food friendly. And um, you get that when it's barrel aged, again, you get those slightly nutty caramelized notes that can go with really well with grilled vegetables. And of course, you're speaking my language and you're talking about sweet white wines. Totally overlooked a category, sadly, but super versatile. The sweet white wines that are coming out of Bordeaux now are a lot fresher, a lot lighter than they used to be. I think there's a move to lighter, fresher wines in general, but specifically in Sautern. And last summer, there's a hotel restaurant in Sautern at Chateau La Forêt Perreguet, and it's actually Michelin Star. During the summer, they have this barbecue in the courtyard, and they grill vegetables on the barbecue, and they serve them with a glass of fresh chilled young sautern and it was spectacular so wow. i know it and just unexpected but that little bit of bitterness from the slightly scorched vegetables and it just worked brilliantly so i think as well this notion of experimenting and trying things perhaps a little bit different as far as sautern is concerned as well if you'd mentioned spicy food there's a recipe for um a spicy chickpea dish on the website for winter which is really good with a young, fresh Merlot, really good with that clare I was talking about. But guess what? It goes really well with a Sauterne, a light, bright, sweet wine too. So there's a lot of flexibility in Bordeaux. When you're talking about the, the more powerful wines, the heavier wines, I know I'm not supposed to say mushrooms, but I'm going to say mushrooms. But mushrooms <laughs> as well, when you look at Merlot-driven wines, Merlot-driven wines, we talk about them being bright and red fruit, but they age quite quickly. And one of the signatures, especially for the grand Merlots, like the Pomeroles, are truffles and mushrooms. Mm. So Yum. when you allow these wines to age, you're getting a lot more complexity, depth of flavors. And those earth... Wait, Wendy, when you say age, how many years are you talking about before they get the truffley when you well it, it depends on the weight of the wine when it starts but a merlin that is five to seven years old is going to start to get those aromas already and that's whereas the left bank it's going to take it's a lot going to take a lot longer 
I think people age Pomerol for too long, frankly. It tastes better a little bit younger, but they spend so much on it and then they think they should hold it forever. I think that same thing goes on with Burgundy, doesn't it? It's, well, I spent so much, so I'm going to hold it, but then you've missed the window, uh. haven't you? <laughs> you know, I mean, you want to lay something down, you go to the left bank and let that lay down, but pleasure is pleasure and you should have it in the shorter window so you can enjoy that, right? That's it. Um, because there's nothing more disappointing. You imagine you've kept the wine all that time, missed its window of opportunity, yeah. but that's a... Uh... So when you talk about the semillon-driven blends, you're talking about the oak-aged ones, and those can be quite expensive. Are there any more affordable semillon-driven blends oh, yeah. that people can look for? Oh, yeah. And where would that be? Go to the answer to the mayor. I, I... Go to the answer to the You know, it is a treasure trove of affordable sustainable, family-driven wines. And there's several that we mentioned on the website. And I think what is really interesting is the Entre de Mer has such a diversity of styles of wine coming out of it, but there's a lot of Semillon Sauvignon. If it's an Entre de Mer white, it legally has to be a blend. It cannot be 100% Sauvignon. Sometimes they do 1%, though, Semillon. (laughs) At least that's what I find sometimes here. Cote de Franc is also making some exceptional whites with a lot of Semillon. So, yeah, the Cote wine's a fabulous value for money. And you get really, yeah. So you don't have to buy, you know, a classified growth from Pesac Lyonion, as fabulous as they are, to get that depth of flavor from Semillon. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of choice. There's a lot of choice that you can get in Bordeaux for that. You just have to be a bit more adventurous. Sally, I want to ask you, because you did not mention this, but you grew up cooking for the family pub and running the kitchen (laughs) at your country inn. So what about pub food and pizza and veggie burgers and spinach and artichoke dip and hummus? And, I mean, these are everyday foods that people love. You know this, even though they're not always the most healthy, they are delicious. And there are pub foods that are vegetarian. So what do you pair with that? Would you pair? I I don't know. I don't know what people, because obviously it's a beer culture, but people have those foods in their homes now too. So what would you pair with those? Uh, If you are having that food in a pub in England or anywhere in Britain, from my experience, you're probably not going to get a lot of choice of wine by the glass. So they're probably going to have just a small selection. They'll probably have a Merlot. They might have a Malbec. They'll probably have a Sauvignon Blanc and then maybe, you know, a Chardonnay and so forth. So Thinking about it, yes, if you're looking at a veggie burger, it's probably got quite a few carbs in there with the bun and then you've got the fries, whether they're sweet potato or normal fries. But the veggie burger itself is probably made with chickpeas or beans. So I would think that something like that or a vegetarian lasagna, which is, I think, probably a pub favorite too. Both of those, I would say, if you're in a pub, choose a Merlot because then they will probably have a Merlot you can have a lovely fruity Merlot with medium tannins, lots of approachable uh, versions out there. Um, potentially a Malbec, depending on uh, whether you've got other different sources, which would kind of make it a bit more meaty, in inverted commas, in terms of the burger. Um, and they would probably have salads. So again, that would go for a white, or they might have a risotto. And I think that if we're talking like a, a veggie risotto, like we were talking about earlier with peas or beans, then you're going to probably go for a Sauvignon Blanc because they will probably have a Sauvignon Blanc on the menu because it's nice and citrusy. I have a wine bar, so a French version of a pub here at my tasting room. It's a wine bar rather than a pub. And it's very relaxed. And I do a lot of wine pairings of the platters that I serve to uh, people that come. And I make sure that I do things on the platter that go with my wines. So I do some fishy things, but obviously goat's cheese and so forth. But one of the recipes that I would suggest that listeners really look up if they want a great Friday night, if they're entertaining a crowd, a recipe is the vegetarian moussaka. Um, The base is made with mushrooms and lentils and tomatoes and herbs. And it even looks like a meaty dish because the lentils make it look a little bit like a bolognese or a minced meat. And then you've got the layers of aubergines. You've got the lovely cheesy topping with feta and parmesan. So it's a recipe that I make a lot. And I actually then tested it with a more complex wine that I make, which is barrel aged, barrel fermented, and my more approachable Merlot, which is fermented in stainless steel and then just has nine months of oak. Guess which went best? 
the simpler wine. The fruity right. wine that's not pretentious, it cut through the cheese, it just paired beautifully with it. And that's a recipe that I would really recommend that's on the website. And that's a fabulous pub style, Friday night, food gathering, event uh, recipe and wine pairing that I would suggest. Wendy, is there any pairing that you have had, vegetarian pairing, where you have said this is the best pairing I've ever had? What is the best vegetarian pairing that you have had? Oh, there's lots. It's hard. Um... <laughs> it is hard. But I just want to give people an idea of something that you have had where you've said this is every bit as good as a steak because Wendy, you you still eat meat just to prove to people that that it can possible. be done yeah it can be done it can be done um, and it is done uh, roasted root vegetables i love root vegetables there was a roasted root vegetable dish with beetroot and it was sprinkled with cheese and that went really well with a marlo but there's a recipe on the website for a sweet potato and chickpea recipe Uh, that's really, really good with red wine. But it's one of those recipes that has got a little bit of sweetness in it and that went really, really well with Sota. Sorry, I do keep banging on about Sota, but it went really, really well with the Sota as well. (laughs) So we talked about asparagus a bit. Last spring, I had green asparagus with a citrusy mousseline with a dry white Sauvignon Semillon blend. And that was absolutely spectacular. So I've got three choices, sorry. Sally, what do you have? Just on that chickpea recipe, I think that's the Moroccan chickpea in the sweet potato recipe on the website. And I think that that goes really well with the red wine with a bit of oak because you've got, you know, like in oak wines, you've got that lovely sweet spice. You've got that cinnamon. So that kind of comes out with the Moroccan-y spices. So that kind of marries up there. I've got a couple of things. And an everyday one, I think that we don't chill red wine enough. If you have a really yummy this is like comfort food a cauliflower cheese with a chilled red wine light red wine that chilled wine with that really bubbly hot cheese that you're almost because you're eating it too soon the chilled wine (laughs) kind of (laughs) because you can't wait to get into it and then another one that i love which is also on the website which is a squash or butternut squash or pumpkin soup and we do a lot of those don't we over autumn and winter and we've done a nutty crumble topping And that Mm. crumbled topping with hazelnuts. And you can also put some Parmesan in that if you want. But if you're vegan, you obviously won't. Um, And that is lovely with some red wine that has some oak as well, because you've got nuttiness in there and earthiness. And I love that. So important to bring up the idea of when oak is appropriate and when it's not. Wendy, I do want to ask you this because you're an expert in wellness and Felicity Carter, who we all know is coming on the show to talk about this. But you wrote The Drinking Woman's Diet. A liver-friendly lifestyle guide. It's a great book. It talks about the lessons you've learned in maintaining a healthy body in an unhealthy industry. But I would love to hear your thoughts on the attack on wine, the studies on wine and health, and whether you think that part of this new messaging is about healthy food and wine and social life, not just as alcohol. And I think you have some health facts on wine and two veg also that talk about wine and food consumption together and how we need to make sure that we're doing that. Can you just talk about that? Yeah, and this is this is actually one of the reasons why I was so excited when Sally talked about this project, because what clearly comes out in the health advice, mind you, the health advice now, some of the health advice now says no drinking at all. So, you know, and I'm sure Felicity is going to well, talk about that in great detail. Don't worry, she's going to talk about that. Oh, yeah. Um, But I think what's really what comes out in the health messaging is drink on a full stomach. Don't drink on an empty stomach. And this is particularly important for women because it is true, which is one of the reasons why I call the book The Drinking Woman's Diet, because it is true that women do metabolize alcohol differently to men. But if you've got food in your stomach, your stomach empties more slowly than if you just drink. And so consequently, your blood alcohol level rises a lot more slowly if you drink with food or even after food. So this whole food and wine matching thing is really important from a health point of view as well. Of course it is. The other thing that I think is really interesting is if you start paying attention to everything that we've been talking about, the sensation, the weight, the feeling, the matching, as you pay attention rather than just knocking it back, 
you're drinking more slowly. And that also makes a huge difference. So if you drink more slowly, you're absorbing the alcohol into your bloodstream more slowly and there's less damage being done. As another thing that comes up, and I'm sure Felicity will mention it because I read it in one of the articles that she wrote when she was at the, that recent wine and health conference. We talk about polyphenols in red wine. I don't believe that we should talk about the health benefits of red wine, but there are polyphenols in vegetables and fruit as well. And there is some belief that, or some notion that, when you have the two together, you've got this physical reinforcement of the health benefits of vegetables and wine together. Now, I'm not a scientist. I haven't read all the papers, but I actually think that's quite exciting, uh, this notion of combining. But it's certainly important as far as slowing down the alcohol in the bloodstream is concerned. That's super important. And coming back to your notion of sociable, we should drink wine for the pleasure principle, not because some excuse because it's good for me. It is not one of your five a day. So, you know, we can knock that one on the head. But the fact that you're drinking sociably, that you're sharing a meal, you're sharing wine with friends, you're talking about it, you're having a, a moment together, I think is really important because especially when you're looking at mental health or we're looking at all these mental health issues, one of the main reasons is a lack of social contact. And what better way to hang out with friends than over a meal right. with a glass of wine? Fire. I, you're preaching to the choir here. I absolutely believe that to be true. I will say I'm actually quite happy about them putting calorie counts on the back of wine. I'm Sally, I'm sure as a winemaker, it's probably very frustrating, but I think people somehow think that wine is highly caloric. They think that it is really fattening. And I think having the fact that it's only about 120 or 130 calories a glass on the back is actually a huge, huge thing for drinkers everywhere. Just to understand that regardless of what, no offense, the health people, you know, there's this whole anti-alcohol movement within the health movement and wellness movement. It's not fattening. I mean, if you drink the whole bottle, it's less than a Big Mac. You've got to think about your choices. Most people aren't drinking a whole bottle of wine at one sitting, and it's certainly less than your favorite candy bar. Important to understand that, okay. too. And when you're having it with food, it definitely has health benefits. All right. So you want to make Wine and Two Veg a resource for everyone who's interested in sharing information on vegetarian pairing and vegan pairing. So how can the Wine for Normal People community participate in the site and add their own pairing ideas and ask you questions or offer recipes or whatever and maybe add restaurants and things like that, thinking you guys are going to become the trip advisor for vegetarian food. So how do we find you and how do we, how do we participate in this? Well, the first step to, to understand, obviously, and you'll probably have it in the show notes, the wine and two veg, it's the number two, wine and written out as a word and then two veg. Um, if you go on the site, you can sign up. You can also send us an email at wineandtwoveg at gmail.com. What we would love is some feedback on the parts of the site that you enjoy, the parts where you'd like more information, because we have a wealth of information. And it's just time to put up what we're putting up at the moment, what we think people might be interested in, but we're getting loads of great feedback. So feedback on the content and we will do that. But also to experiment with your plant-based food dishes and wines and share them with us. We don't only have our own recipes. We actually use recipes from well-known chefs, books, Otto Lenghi, James, Jamie Oliver and, and so on. And so we obviously give credit where it's due. So send us your recipe. Say, I, I looked this up on, you know, Cookie and Kate or whatever. And I found this great pairing and so that we can be sure to give the right credit. Um, and we would love to put it up on the website. Now, we will obviously try them as well. Um, but as we've said before, not everybody tastes everything the same. So it's great to have a variety of different tastes. We would be delighted to put them up on the website. And then we will be developing the website uh, from here. I mean, Wendy, do you want to add anything? No, I think that that's right. I mean, it's exciting. I mean, we're thrilled that people have picked up and run with this. And we've had a few guest recipes and we've got a few fun projects coming up, but uh, I'll wait until they're done before I announce them. So I'm talking about sort of getting a bit more collaborative with people, but it's great that other people have seen the interest. As you say, it doesn't have to be for vegans or vegetarians, but for people who are happy to experiment sort of on no meat days, a couple of days a week. And we'd, we'd love to hear from people. And it's interesting coming back to the restaurants, what, when you were talking about that these restaurants in Bordeaux and is it changing and what have you, we actually have this year 
they'd given a, a green Michelin star to a restaurant in Bordeaux. So things are changing. So perhaps we can start talking about that a little bit. And also uh, some of the chateaus that are receiving people, they're experimenting with this um, field to table cooking. So using their own vegetable gardens in the properties. And, and so I think there's, you know, we're going to have lots to talk about. It'd be great to have the feedback in what people are interested in, but we've got, we've got lots of ideas. So we just need a bit more time. So where can everybody find you individually? Can we talk about where did someone get Chateau George Set wines? How do we acquire them? And then Wendy, how do we meet you in Bordeaux? Well, I have Instagram, Chateau George Set. So George, written as the, 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 the first name George, then the number seven. So Instagram, Chateau George Set. Chateau George Set. I have my website, is chateaugeorgeset.com. I do have an online shop. Uh, for the US, you just need to send me uh, an email um, because obviously there's a couple of states we can't ship to. But apart from that, we ship directly from here to your door. I just sent off 12 bottles uh, today to the US. So we do do that. And of course, come and visit when you come to Europe and come to Bordeaux, come to Fronzac, come to the tasting room, try the beetroot hummus or the lemongrass hummus and try it with the wines. But yes, chateaugeorgeset.com. And uh, and you can buy wines and then come and visit and taste them here. Fantastic. And Wendy? You can find me on insidertasting.com and then on Instagram, The Drinking Woman's Diet and also Wendy Narby on, on, on Instagram. But the yeah, the sort of healthy stuff is on um, on The Drinking Woman's Diet and the not so healthy stuff is on Wendy Narby. <laughs> the moon I love it. Hey, you know what? We all nobody's unidimensional, right? We can't uh, all be we can't all be good all the time or perfect. We'll be good all the time. Uh uh-uh, where's the fun in that? That there's no fun in that at all. And we are in a pleasure industry, so we should all be having yeah. fun. You know what? This was so great. I really appreciate it. I love that this is happening. I hope that you wind up being able to accrue enough recipes and things like that that you publish books about this and I really hope that that is in the cards because I think more visibility for wines of Bordeaux or heavier wines or things like that with vegetarian cooking and letting people know that it's possible and that it's not weird your recipes are not weird that's the other thing that I really liked about it. There's things that people eat because there are a lot of vegetarian recipes that are just like, I'm not making that. I'm just not like, there's too many ingredients, right? Like, uh-uh. There's so many things like that. And people, it's almost like you're embarrassed of the vegetables. So you have to put a whole bunch of stuff on them, but simplicity and then finding the pairings is exciting and that's exactly what you're doing i think this is so relevant and so great and i know we have a number of people who are trying to eat better or more healthy in the audience and are feeling frustrated with wine and food pairings so this is spectacular do you have a newsletter yet not yet we launch uh, different recipes every season that's the plan for the moment so we'll be launched so if people sign up they'll get a notification when we put the new recipes up. Okay, so there is a notification system. Yes. Fantastic. So if you sign up for that, yeah, they'll get the next spring ones when we get around to finishing it. Well, it's still winter. you got plenty of time. All right. (laughs) Thank you both so much. I can't wait to come back and hang out with you. Yeah, you must. Okay, and it is wine and two veg, W-I-N-E and spelled out to the number two veg.com. Please go on the site, check it out. It is awesome. And contribute. Please sign up and then also contribute because yes. I think the more that we all add, the better it is. So even if it's just one little thing, like I had Manchego and great Merlot, this is helpful. This is helpful information. Yes. So do it and and let's all start building this. Thank you both so much. You're fantastic. Thank you, Elizabeth. It's great. Thank fun. you. And with that, this has been another episode of Wine for Normal People. Thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time. Thank you.